Good morning, church. I think it's part eight. Part eight, seven letters to seven churches from the book of Revelation. Um, I'm excited about this. I was reading um, an article recently about lockdown, just in the light of the prayers that we were making there and how, you know, it, it has provided probably a, a, an unprecedented opportunity to ask the question, can you be a Christian and not get to church? Because I think for some people, being a Christian is the same as going to church. And so when you're not going to church on a Sunday, there's kind of like nothing or nowhere to put your Christianity. Whereas it should be, Christianity should be a daily reality in your life, regardless of whether you're meeting on a Sunday or not. And so the challenge of lockdown was, how can I change my expressions of worship, my expressions of faith, whilst we're not able to meet together? And I think for some, that's been a refreshing experience. And I think for others, they have discovered perhaps a bankruptcy in their Christian walk. They were more in love with the church than Jesus. They were more in love with the habit of going to a service than actually cultivating a life. So it's nice um, that, for example, some of you coming up this morning and saying, you know, I feel God said this to me. I think God's saying that to me, that he's a daily reality in your lives. Uh, okay, let's go to Revelation. We are coming to the Church of Philadelphia, a piece of information that is not going to radically change your life. But as far as I can see, Philadelphia is the only church that is also a cheese. Amen. Uh, I'd just like us to meditate on that when, when we get home. Is it really cheese? I'm not sure. Well, and of course we have cheeses from Nazareth as well. So cheeses do figure in the New Testament, but we'll just leave it there, shall we? Okay, go to the Church of Philadelphia, and you can read about this church in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one 
will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, would you open our eyes, unstop our ears in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so as I've said to you every week since we started this series, there's so much in this that I can't go into on a Sunday morning. That's why we do Digging Deeper. And if you're watching this, uh, if you go to Harvest Church Croydon on YouTube, then you will find the Digger Deeper, Digging Deeper series there. And uh, next Wednesday, I will put out Digging Deeper Philadelphia. So all the questions that you've asked yourself as I've been reading this hopefully will be answered on that video. Uh, who's the, what, what are they talking about? The synagogue of Satan. What's that about? What's this about writing on him a new name and so forth? That will all be there in the Digging Deeper series. So I hope you do take the opportunity to go through it. But as always, I just want to pick out the thing that, that stands out. Let me just remind you, uh, if you've got your Bible open, the thing that stood out for that church in Ephesus was you've forgotten your first love. You need to get back to where you were at the beginning. To the church of Smyrna, I know your poverty but you're rich. You're a poor church, but you're a rich church. To uh, the church in Pergamum, I, I know where you live. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. You need to hold your ground. Uh, church in Thyatira, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service your perseverance again you need to hold on to what you have until I come and last week the church in Sardis was in a bad way and the Lord says to this church you need to wake up and strengthen the things that remain but we're coming to uh, this is a good church Philadelphia I think if I'm right in this the Lord has nothing bad to say about Philadelphia. I mean, that's just great. He has nothing bad to say about Philadelphia. And yet he says, I know your deeds. So what is it that stands out? Well, I think you've probably got it. See, I have placed before you an open door. You are an open door church. Church, I have set before you an open door. Has the Lord given us an open door? Is he going to give you this week an open door? And as always we say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean an open door? Well, the answer is, I don't know. 
I don't know what he means. It sounds good. He's setting before them an open door. It's some kind of kingdom opportunity that he's setting before them. But we don't know what it is. But we can go to that phrase elsewhere in the Bible for some ideas. For example, it might be a gospel opportunity. You've got a great gospel opportunity at Philadelphia. Because if I read this um, from Colossians 4 verse 3, Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may pro proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So God might give you this week an open door for the message. You know, when someone turns to you and you're chatting about COVID and they say, well, touch wood, I'm just hoping for the best. What do you say? Yeah, so am I. Touch wood, fingers crossed, I'm just hoping for the best. Do you say, yeah, so am I. There's an opportunity. It's just opened a door. Well, I'm praying. I'm praying that, you know, God will keep me safe. And I'll pray for you too. I've got, I, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. I, I, I believe in the power of prayer. I'm going to pray for you. A kingdom, a gospel opportunity. I've set before you an open door. When you read about the background with Philadelphia, things are hard. Things are difficult. And yet God is giving them an open door. And that's how it was in the early church. Whenever you go to the early church under persecution and you pop into the prayer meeting, if this was the church and we're in difficulty and there's a risk to our lives and we say, hey, we need to pray. What are we going to pray? I'll tell you what we're going to pray. Father, we just pray for Gary that you would uh, keep her safe, that you protect her from all harm. Pray for Pastor Ronnie uh, that, Lord, you'll preserve him, that he won't go to jail. We just we pray for the Davis family out there, Father, that you'll keep them safe. That's not what they prayed for. Whenever they were in difficulty, you go to the book of Acts, what are they praying for? Father, really difficult times. Our lives are in danger. We pray that the gospel will go out. We pray, Father, that you will give us courage to keep proclaiming your word. We pray, Father, that we will be overcomers through Christ Jesus. These are what I call big prayers. Big prayers. I've opened a door of opportunity for you in Philadelphia. And it might be a gospel opportunity. Or maybe it's a ministry opportunity, which is slightly different. Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8 and 9, I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door of effective work has opened up to me and there are many who oppose me. I'm going to stay here because a door has opened for effective work and many oppose me. He might have said, there is a great door for effective work, but there are many who are opposing me, so I'm moving on. I'm, I'm sure there'll be another effective work somewhere else where I don't get the opposition. No, 
there's opposition here and it's tough. That may be a sign that we're doing right. And an effective door for ministry. Now, what did that look like? Well, it looked like every day in the temple of Tyrannus, uh, not the temple, the um, lecture hall of Tyrannus, Paul would come, set up his stand, and he would just teach from the word of God all day. Teach from the word of God. And I guess believers and unbelievers would come in and they would listen. And then they would go out and some others would come in and they would listen and they would go out. This is the effect of work that's opened up. Maybe God is saying to the church in Philadelphia, I've opened a door for ministry. You can build a fantastic church here. Has God opened a door for you? In ministry? Has he given you a gift? Has he given you an opportunity to minister what God has given you to others? You think of your friends, your Christian friends that are struggling. Incidentally, many, many churches are closed. This one is open. This one is open. It's not private. Two people could be sitting there that you know. Two people could be sitting up at the back there that you know. I can easily, if you tell me you've got three friends coming, I can separate tables, reconfigure them. At one point, I have 35 people, one meter plus safe distanced in this room. We've got room for others. So if you know someone that is struggling just because they're not sitting under worship, they're not sitting under the word, they're, they're welcome here. They're welcome here within limits. But just let me know. An open door for ministry. So here's another open door, an open door for faith. On arriving there, Acts 14, 27, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done through them. This is when Paul and Barnabas come back from their missionary journey. They reported all that uh, God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. A door of faith opened. Not only were we able to preach and not only were we able to minister, but it was as though we were in an atmosphere where faith was just coming. You know, there are certain times throughout history when people just seem to become Christians dead easily. Most of the time, in my experience, it's jolly hard getting people to respond to the gospel. But sometimes it's like knife through butter. And we usually call that times of revival. When people were just ready, it's God opening a door for faith. You know, we're surrounded at the moment by doom, gloom and death. Surely there are some people thinking, what if it's me next? What if it's, they're maybe recalling their granddad who was a Christian or their granny who was a Christian or their Sunday school days or the, the Bible class that they used to go to or even in the church brownies or something when they were told that there is a heaven out there to be got. 
Is God opening a door of faith? Maybe he's opening a door of faith in you, giving you that ability to believe more, to grasp more. I have placed before you an open door. Let's just make it perfectly obvious. I have placed before you an open door. It's a personal thing. It's personal to the church as a whole in Philadelphia. I have placed before y'all an open door. But also to individuals, I have placed before you an open door. An open door is an entry point. And I want to say it's a choice. And this got me thinking. If God sets before me an open door, do I have to go through it? Should I go through it? Is it right for me to go through it? And my answer is going to be, not necessarily. Let me just read a scripture to you. Paul says to Corinthians 2.12, 2 Corinthians 2.12, When I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. I still had no peace of mind because I didn't find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. I love that. God opened a door for them in Troas to preach the gospel. But I missed Titus. So I left them and went to find him. What that says to me is so many times in our lives, God opens a door of opportunity. But it's for you to decide whether you go through it. Now that may seem odd. Why would God open a door? Phil, why would God open a door of opportunity that he wants you to walk past? Okay. When Pamela and Mary came to my life, when she came into my world, I had already completed my theological degree and I was ministering in church. And Pamela came along and a door of opportunity opened. Should I marry her? I love her. Should I marry her? It was a door of opportunity that I believed God opened. But what if I'd said, no, no, because my heart is to go to China. My heart is to go to China to serve God there in a place where my future will be uncertain, where there'll be certain difficulties. I will not be in a place where we can bring up children. I'm going to have to give myself. No, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no.
Would that have been a great sin? That God opened that opportunity for me to marry and I say no. Thank you God. But I'm, I'm going to serve in this way. I know Paul from 1 Corinthians 7. I know Paul would begin. Yes. Yes. Well done Ronnie. Because he says when you marry a wife. Well you have to look after her Stoyan. You have to give your time to her. She becomes first in your life. You can't go where you want, do what you want, when you want, spend what you want, eat what you want. You can't when you get married. Is that what you want? (laughs) So can you see what I mean? The door of opportunity opens and I said, Lord, this is just what I want. And I went through the door. But I could have walked on. God, and that is the excitement. Some would say that's the difficulty of being a Christian. But I want to say that's the adventure. That God will set before you open doors. And you'll say, God, can you just, can you give me a sign? Can you, uh, like, I would like a bus to pass with the answer on the side of it. Uh, You know, can you just give me a sign? And sometimes he doesn't. And I feel at that moment, he's saying, Ronnie, I've set before you an open door. God, do you want me to go through it? Not fast. It's up to you. It's up to you. Do you like it? Do you love it? What have I said to you today? Do you know the reason I married Pam? Because God said, marry Pam. So actually, Pam, I I didn't marry you because I loved you. I didn't marry you because I wanted you to be my wife. I married you because God said it. How that would bless you? No, not at all. No, I chose. I chose. And Pam chose. So open doors are opportunities. And you either go through them or you don't. Now, it might well be that later on in life, you might say, I wish I'd gone through that door. Oh, you have taken that opportunity. It's too late then. So life is an adventure. I have set before you an open door. Maybe to be a witness, maybe to be a minister, maybe to make a difference. Here's something exciting about the door. If he opens it, no man can shut it. Why? Because he's the doorkeeper. Jesus is the doorkeeper. How does he describe himself at the beginning of this letter? I am the one who holds the key of David. We'll look into that in digging deeper. I've got the key. I own the door. I am the door and I have the key. So Philadelphia, I want to say Satan wants to close that door. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan Satan wants to close the door. The Jews want to close the door. The power of the Roman Empire wants to close the door. But they can't close the door because I've opened the door. And if I open it, I keep it open. If I close it, nobody can open it. So there's complete security here. Jesus is the doorkeeper. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit 
says to the churches. That's just about all I wanted to say to you this morning. What are the doors that God is opening for you? What are the opportunities that God is placing before you? You say, ah, I don't know. Well, hey, find out. Find out. Just be praying about it, Lord. The first thing is to say, Lord, if you open a door, I will give it my attention. The disciples came to Jesus one day. And they said, Lord, there are people down in this village that are sick and needing healed. And he said, are they? Door of opportunity, are they? And he moved on. He said, I've got to do what my father tells me. There is a door of opportunity, but that's not where I'm going this morning. So what are the doors that are opening for you? I'm sure God is opening doors in your home situation, in your work situation, in every situation of life. God is constantly opening doors of opportunity for you to think about going through. Almost raises more questions than it answers, but it's good. It's good. See, I have set before you an open door. Thank you, Stan. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father, we want to thank you. I want to thank you. Uh, Johnny, would you put the, the mic back on? I want to thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you gave to this church. Sometimes we went through them, sometimes we didn't. I thank you, Father, for the blessings that were in some of those open doors. I think of my own life, Father. I thank you for the doors of opportunity that you opened for me to to go to Spurgeon's, to play in a gospel band, to preach your word, to meet Pam, to raise a family, to shepherd a flock. Opportunities, Father. Thank you for the opportunities of lockdown, to live stream, to reach people that we never, we, we never even anticipated meeting them, reaching them. But we thank you, Father, for those that are being blessed because we just stepped through that door. And Father, we just ask you that you will continue to open doors of effective work for us, open doors of ministry for us, open doors for the gospel, doors for faith. Lord, this morning we've been asking you to open doors for healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that you would open a door for restoration for those that need to be restored.
into the family of God. Thank you, Father, we can overcome. To him who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the house of God. Thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.